they are a political movement because they are. They're very politically involved and they're using uh, their agenda to chip away incrementally by altering Americans' views about animal ownership and animal use through lawsuits and litigation, through our schools, universities, through legislation. All these things are their their quest and their campaigns that they're using to twist the truth and control the narrative. And quite frankly, at the bottom line, I believe what this is really about is changing uh, the definitions and and moving the goalpost to alter the definitions about what is considered humane. Hi, I'm Heidi Harriet. Welcome to Animal Tales where we talk about my favorite subject, animals. Boy, today is a really emotional um, interview and a, just a really tough topic about um, with Mindy Patterson from the Cavalry Group. And we, ha- we talk about a few different things, but uh, this is winter of 2023 and a small, beautiful zoo up in Virginia was raided with animals confiscated and animals even killed by those who think they're animal professionals, but they're not. They have an agenda to get rid of animals. They didn't want the zoo there, even though it was a beautiful zoo doing a good job. And it's just heartbreaking to hear the owner of the zoo talk about them euthanizing her beautiful white tiger. You want to get emotional about animals and feel sad? You need to know what's being done to people who love, care for, and work with animals. That's why I do the podcast. I'm actually uh, taping today out of my home office. And as I'm taping, I'm looking at a picture on the wall of my father and grandfather who are were first and second generation animal trainers. And it makes me emotional And then we're telling the story of these people's animals taken away from them when they'd spent their life with them at the zoo. We're also talking with Mindy about legislation they're introducing, going on offense to help uh, legitimate animal owners protect their businesses. So it's it's an action-packed, full podcast, and you won't want to miss any of it. So please enjoy Mindy Patterson from the Cavalry Group. I'd like to welcome Mindy to the podcast. Hi, Mindy. Good morning. It is, uh, yeah, so (laughs) great to have you on. We're in different time zones, so yeah, I get that. But I'm so excited to have you on because um, I met you many years ago in this uh, struggle that we're all in of trying to keep the rights of legitimate, legal, law-abiding animal owners just because philosophically and ideologically uh, the animal rights groups coerce people into thinking that everything done with animals is wrong. And your, your group so appropriately named the cavalry group, because as I've told you, since I was a young child and watched Western movies, I always attribute things to the cavalry is coming to save us. So thank you for what you do. I appreciate it. So, uh, gosh, so much. I'm happy to have you on today, too, because there is a situation unfolding in uh, over the, I guess, over the past week up in Virginia at a zoo of a fellow. I've met I've met uh, 
the man personally, but I have a lot of friends who know them and have been to the zoo. Mm-hmm. It's the Natural Bridge Zoo in uh, Virginia, of all places, which is the home of PETA, of course. Yes. And as I understand it, animals are being seized. Animals have been euthanized. Animals have, uh, they've thrown all the caretakers and owners off the property at one point with no phones or video capability. Uh, We have a lot to talk about, but I want to at least touch on this. Absolutely. Well, it's cases like this that are incrementally uh, changing the narrative about animal-related businesses, Uh, any animal use at all, in fact. Um, The animal rights groups, very well-funded, have been, and I'm of the philosophy that really what they are is a political, they, they are a political movement because they yeah. are, they're very politically involved and they're using uh, their agenda to chip away incrementally by altering Americans' views about animal ownership and animal use through lawsuits and litigation, through our schools, universities, through legislation. All these things are their, their quest and their campaigns that they're using to twist the truth and control the narrative and quite frankly at the bottom line i believe what this is really about is changing uh the definitions and and moving the goalpost to alter the definitions about what is considered humane yeah our lawmakers our lawmakers are totally misinformed and since i know that you have been very involved legislatively at the local state and federal level i'm sure you've seen it firsthand too where lawmakers are completely caught blindsided by a lot of uh, legislation, but also cases like Natural Bridge Zoo, where this was a setup. This was this had been in the works for months, if not years, against Carl Mogensen and Natural Bridge Zoo. Now we're not representing him, and I, you know, I, I am cautious about saying too much because I don't want to step on the toes of his attorneys. But speaking in general terms, you know, this is this is one of their campaigns that they will use to pass legislation and change the narrative about what is considered humane. But Heidi, as you have mentioned before on previous podcasts of yours and in listening to you speak before and articles you've written, you know, this is this is this is what they do. It's systematic uh, in terms of what they're working to achieve. Uh, and they're patient. These animal rights groups are well-funded and patient to change things incrementally. And that's what this is all about. And Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, unfortunately, is extru- is a very corrupt state. You know, for a long time, I thought California and New York State had won the prize on that, on being the most corrupt. <laughs> yeah. But here we are. And Virginia has, it's a setup. I mean, the city prosecutor, the judges... The sheriffs, the police departments, you know, I mean, we can speculate as to what went down. Are they getting paid to look the other way? Are they getting paid by Michelle Welch and her animal law unit? Um, What exactly is going on? But they are they clearly have a Vulcan grip on um, their side to control what is happening in these uh, situations, which, by the way, and we all know is an unlawful seizure, but how did we get here? And in in studying what happened to our member, Keith Wilson, four and a half years ago, this was all under the Patriot Act. You know, you've heard the term, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and the Patriot Act 
was passed by Congress right after 9-11 and everybody thought, yay, we're going to be able to, you know, get to the bottom of a lot of these people that are um, planning nefarious um, raids and intent have nefarious right. intentions on people, but they're using the Patriot Act and a, and something in the Patriot Act known as civil asset forfeiture, where they are coming in with raids, armed raids on animal owners, treating them like drug cartel. You know, they don't even do, they don't even treat meth, people cooking meth in their garage or selling fentanyl which is what this was designed to do. The civil asset forfeiture was to go after, after trial, I'm sorry, child trafficking, sex traffickers, drug cartel. That's what this was all set up to do, but they're using this model to, you know, bust into these uh, animal related businesses. They take away their phones. They lock them up in a room so they can't call law. They're, they're lawyers. That's I'm sorry. That's illegal. Totally it's, un, un, it's just mind boggling. And Mindy, you've articulated this so well. Um, I was telling you when I when I asked you to be on the podcast, I there are other podcasts out there, but anything animal related, I find panders to the, you know, the ideologic ph- ph- philosophic narrative. Mm-hmm. So my podcast is designed to reach those folks who are not animal people necessarily, yeah. but well-intentioned, worried about animals and their their best source of information might be PETA or HSUS or the groups. So I try to put it out there in terms that they'll understand. And for for those of you listening, make no mistake, you'll be told this is a roadside zoo and it was terrible and small zoos are terrible and that type of thing. This is the equivalent of somebody coming in your house and taking your, your beloved golden retrievers or yeah. whatever and and basically with uh, loaded weapons and taking away your phone, you know, in all the, uh, the summer of black lives matter and that how many people videoed things that were going on when the cops would arrest somebody or these, you know, however you look at it, they got videotape of what was going on. And hence, you know, people were held accountable at some level. They take away phones of the animal owners They don't allow their lawyers to be present when this is decided and animals are moved. I think we knew about this. One of the reasons we, we hear about these raids or the owners do they, the, the groups that want to confiscate the animals and make no mistake, just like a podcast with Missy Dessinger in North Dakota. Yes. They, um, they take the best animals and they happen to just leave or not care about the other animals. We care about all our animals, but they reach out to our friends who hold, who have their own animals to transport them like large animals, some of the exotics. So that's where this, we get wind of this information Mm -hmm. Um, because again, they are not animal experts. They do not know how to transport an elephant. It just makes my blood boil. I, I just, that's why I'm doing the podcast. I don't know what else to do. Amen. I'm so glad you are. It's an awesome podcast. I listened to quite a few of them in the last couple of days just to catch up. Outstanding. Yeah. You you cover the full spectrum. I I want to tell this story and I don't, I'm not beholding to anybody. I heard Megan Kelly say that one time. She's like, I I pay for my own podcast now. I don't worry about my sponsors. So I could say whatever the heck I want to. 
And I do it too, because I'll interview somebody who's a ZAA member or Marine Mammal or something. And they have very strong views, but they have to be careful what they say. So I don't have to be, I don't agree with what's going on. And I want to, I want to at least tell the story and you can make up your own mind if you're listening, but you, you need both sides of the equation. You're only hearing one side of it. So this is really just outrageously troubling. I have animal friends who visited Natural Bridge Zoo this year who are incredibly wonderful animal owners and caretakers who are can't believe this happened because they just know it was a beautiful zoo. And by the way, the owner is um, quite ill. So not only is his yes. family facing the fact that they may lose their patriarch, they're then faced with this. And I understand some cats were killed, euthanized, because the the people who were confiscating the animals let the cats get together that weren't mixed prior by the animal experts. So you want to be incensed about something. Stop being incensed about roadside zoos and start listening to what's really going on, PETA euthanizing animals. These, these animal rights zealots going into zoos and places, taking elephants out of zoos that know how to care for them and dumping them in these sanctuaries that are black holes. By the way, sanctuaries don't breed elephants, so no breeding age elephant should ever go to a sanctuary. They're an endangered species. Yes. And the I think it was the Knoxville Zoo elephants went to this the elephant sanctuary in Tennessee, and one passed away pretty quickly. Not an uncommon scenario. So I my, the hashtag of my podcast is there's more to the story. <laughs> and I, I just want people to know there's a lot more to the story. And Mindy, you said, which is absolutely true, legislators, um, they don't really get the full information either. And part of it is because there aren't enough of us. And I'm not walking the halls of, you know, lobbying anymore. Um, I'd like to, but just haven't found the right scenario, but I know you do and others, but there just aren't nearly as many of us because the animal rights groups who are taking your money when, when some celebrity sings a song and gets you to send your $19 a month or whatever it is, that's paying for lobbyists to go to DC and the state houses and tell them lies and mistruths about yes. the animal industry. So make no mistake, you want to give to animals, give to the IEF, the International Elephant Foundation, or check out your local shelter. If they're doing good work that you agree with, give them the money directly. Yes. Stop funding these groups. Jack Hubbard was on, Mindy. Yes. Center for uh, what, Environment and Welfare. Yes. Center for mm -hmm. And he talked about the ASPCA and their offshore accounts and multi-million dollars. And that's not what the average well-intentioned person thinks is happening. They just don't want to, you know, delve into too much information. So I you're absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. Well, in 2010, um, we, my husband and I launched our own campaign to fight a ballot initiative that the Humane Society of the United States brought to the state of Missouri known as the Puppy Mill Cruelty Prevention Act. And at the time, I was invited to have a seat at the table of the agriculture coalition that formed in Missouri with all of the ag associations that were getting ready to put up their dukes. And I had a seat at the table because at the time I was the president of the Missouri Equine Council, among other equine councils across the country. And um, I'll be honest, the ag coalition was not being aggressive enough for me, they weren't getting it together. And 
truly some of the ag associations were kind of stepping away from this because they hadn't put the fact together that the legislation, the the measure rather, was about uh, animal agriculture, the definition of pet that they had written into this, because they don't count on people reading the bill, you know, they don't count on people reading the measure. It read basically any domesticated animal living near or around the house. Well, that could be a chicken, a cow, a pig. So if it was about canines, why didn't they specify? Well, it was because this is what they do to deceive. They poke their their nose under the tent, and then they they take it all. Well, yeah. during this campaign, I stepped away from the Ag Coalition to launch our own political campaign and pack to fight back. And, and we focused on the cities, St. Louis, Kansas City, Joplin, Springfield, where the body of the main body of voters across Missouri are. And these are people, citizens who may not even own a hamster, but we wanted to let them know what this measure was truly about. So we spent our first donation on some polling. And we what we found out was that citizens across Missouri every race, creed, you name it, income level, people, all registered voters on both sides of the aisle. Basically, the outcome was the messaging of betrayal. They felt betrayed by these animal rights groups when you went. we went through all the questions. At the end of all the questions, they decided they wouldn't vote for this measure because they were getting betrayed. They were being deceived by these animal rights groups. The way we win is to pull back the veil You've got to pull back the veil and get to the truth of what these things are about. It wasn't about increased welfare standards for dog breeders. Yeah. No, it was about putting dog breeders out of business. And it was also about getting to animal agriculture to incrementally further regulate um, animal agriculture, putting our food, food producers at risk. That's what this was all about. And it was at this uh, during this campaign that we decided we needed to launch a group to help people, help the little guy fight back. Unfortunately, too many Americans, especially animal owners and animal enterprise all over the country, sometimes people need a little boost and some courage to fight back. So that's why we're there for people to help them push back, push back for them, be there to act as a shield, stand up for them. If law enforcement shows up without a warrant, or even if they show up with a warrant, I mean, come on. In the case of Natural Bridge Zoo, a warrant to, um, uh, let's see, investigate. That's what it was. That's like saying in on a, in a big stamp on your forehead that you're going to go in and it's a witch hunt. Yeah. You've got a warrant to investigate. If you don't already have probable cause or proof, don't talk to me. Get off my lawn. Shame on these people. It just shows you how corrupt the Virginia um, uh, government is. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's disturbing. With. It's so disturbing. Yes. Wasn't it, Mindy, wasn't it North Dakota? <clears throat> excuse me, North Dakota after the, uh, again, I'll, I'll post a link to the Dustinger Ranch story for those of you listening uh, yes. about their confiscation, but. I think Missy said that they uh, passed a law in North Dakota that before you could seize the animals, you have to go before a judge. Is that am I correct on that? I don't recall. I, I'm not going to answer because I don't. I'd have to look at that okay. specifically. Yeah, I'm sorry. But we need. We certainly need more of that because right now, like you said, investigate, and then they come in. They throw the owners out of the area. 
that they are the expert. Those are their animals. And a lot of animals are lost in these scenarios that are, it's just so unacceptable. It's well, I, the thing, yeah. the thing that irks me the most, not to interrupt you, I apologize. No, um, that's okay. The thing that irks us the most is that um, everyone who is licensed deserves an opportunity to cure. If in fact there was something where there was a hair out of place or whatever, I mean, they should, you don't just go in and steal all their animals. This yeah. was a, this was a theft and yep. uh, under false pretenses, this is a theft and they're advancing the agenda of these animal rights groups. And I fear that they're using these cases like Keith Wilson and others in the Commonwealth of Virginia to make a case for other regulation. There's a federal bill right now that wants to give more power to the Department of Justice. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh, yeah. So that they will create an animal cruelty task force, just like the animal law unit in the Commonwealth of Virginia that Michelle Welch has devised, and give more power at the federal level to come onto people's property, profile them, basically, and determine whether or not they're, you know, uh, breaking the law. But they basically, you have to defend yourself after the fact. And, and that's what's wrong with this. They basically seized the evidence, quite frankly, from yeah. Carl Mogensen and his zoo. All the evidence has been taken. Yeah. And they've euthanized some of the animals and, and done so in a very haphazard and inhumane fashion. And you made a point in one of your podcasts that I love because it mirrored some of the things that I have shared, even in testimony, where these animal rights groups are trying to hijack husbandry practices. Oh, yeah. And you and I both know sometimes animal husbandry isn't pretty. And there's no way to wrap it up in a pretty bow for the media or for the general public that doesn't even know where their food comes from. It's, it's awful. And so we're having to constantly play defense and explain things to people who don't understand. And we have found ourselves in that position far too often in committee hearings opposing legislation that the animal rights groups are pushing. We have found ourselves in this position in defending our members in court. You know, they just paint this uh, emotionally charged propaganda um yeah. display so that the general public and whomever is falling for their side because it makes us look like we're a bunch of jerks. Oh, they don't care about animals. Well, that's nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. But we're dealing with people who do not understand husbandry. And that's the problem. That is one of many problems that we're facing. And that's one of the reasons they get away with that more than they used to. And this has taken hold is because um, I think the latest statistic I, I heard more than 93% of the United States are um, urbanites. So we're less, we're more removed from agriculture and animals and frankly, just common sense care of animals, common mm -hmm. sense care of the land and that type of thing. Um, so, but what you are doing, what I, which I love, you're right. We're always on defense. So you're, you guys have gone on offense in creating legislation. Mm -hmm. The work, I think it's the Working Animal Protection Act. Yes. So I want to talk about that because I, I feel so strongly we've got to put out the fires and that's how the animal rights groups work. I, I call it the fire trucks. So they set a bunch of brush fires all over the place. So all the animal folks in the animal industry that they don't like 
are just putting out fires and getting sued and their resources are taken from them. We need to get up above the, the, the brush, the treetops and be able to look down on it and go at, while we're trying to stay in business, go on offense. Yes. The cavalry groups, the cavalry group arrives with a, a great bill. So I want you to talk about the working animal protection act and where that's headed. Sure. Well, we've passed the Working Animal Protection Act so far in Oklahoma, Arkansas, and a version of it in Texas. We made two attempts uh, in Texas to get it done in 2019 and 2021. Texas's legislature meets every other year. Um, And we failed. And it was all because of the Texas Humane Legislative Network seems to have their boot on the throat of the House and Senate Ag Committees and most legislators in Texas. It's insane. I know people think they're just the, the the end all be all and the things they do are so troubling. Yeah, it's very troubling and very deceptive. Um, so anyway, we finally got it done this last year, but the lawmaker we worked with was like, uh, I'm not going to run this again unless we can do some serious hiding of, you know, burying the lead. It's still the same basic bill, but he actually added to it. And it, for lack of better terms, it's like a small business protection act. And uh, basically, the Working Animal Protection Act that as passed in Oklahoma, Texas and Arkansas basically protects uh, lawful and law abiding animal enterprise that utilizes working animals in entertainment, education, exhibition, transportation and agritourism. It pretty much covers the full spectrum for working animals. And um, I am surprised, Heidi, that our paths never crossed because I'm sure you have testified in opposition to many of the bills, many of the ban bills from HSUS and PETA and all those guys. But we have a leave behind that we give to lawmakers who support our bill that always raises eyebrows, both sides of the aisle. Uh, It basically lists all the local municipalities in 24 states and 78 local municipalities that have outright banned lawful animal enterprise utilizing working animals from horse-drawn carriages, elephant mm-hmm. rides, camel rides, uh, the circus, animal exhibition, um, yep. uh, the rodeo. I mean, any any kind of even livestock exhibition. Um, Maryland is a state that just passed a, uh, just recently in recent years, an animal exhibition at the state fair um, and county fair in Montgomery County. Can you imagine? People don't go to the fair just for, you know, waffle, waffle cakes or waffle. So they go for the animals. And so it's, it's horrific. So anyway, we have this long list of local municipalities that had outright banned these legal lawful businesses. And by the way, these businesses that I've mentioned are usually uh, regulated at three different levels, local, state, yeah. and federal. I mean, and have constant unexpected, un- unannounced inspections, like the horse-drawn carriage industry is a perfect example of that. And so I was zigzagging around the country, testifying in opposition in city councils and camp before county commissioners and against these bans. And I'm like, you know what? We have got to figure something out. This is just playing defense is awful because these lawmakers come across, you know what it's like. You walk into the hearing room, it's very star chamber esque and you just can feel where, you know, from the council members or whomever that they're, they've already made up their minds. You just, you feel it. 
So after after I'd had enough in about 2015 or maybe it was early 2016, I went to a representative in this state house in Missouri, Brian Spencer and Brian Munslinger, um, uh, Senator Munslinger. They both helped uh, write a piece of legislation and it ended up as the Working Animal Protection Act. And all it says, it's four small paragraphs. And lawmakers love that, by the way. They love short books. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very basic, and it, it amends the agriculture statute in whatever state. They can tweak the language slightly to make it germane to whatever state it's in, but it's pretty much ready to go. And all it says is these lawful businesses can't be banned at the local level that utilize working animals um, in those different categories. Um and in Texas, they basically said, if you want to pass legislation to ban a lawful business, you got to take it to the state house. Um, but but in uh, Oklahoma and Arkansas, it basically says you cannot outright ban a lawful business at the local level, period. So, you know, Arkansas and Oklahoma are safe. This next year in 2024, we're introducing it in a handful of states, uh, West Virginia, Arizona, Idaho, Kentucky, South Dakota, and Utah so far. So we will uh, be working like crazy after the first of the year when the legislative sessions go into effect, um, kick in. Wow, that I'm. it's just wonderful that you guys are doing that. And the it's it's spot on because they are where these businesses animal businesses are so highly regulated yeah i tell people even when i was younger when we didn't have as much as many uh regulations and now these bans there were more regulations in place for the animals in our family than there were for the children yep if your kids show up at school and don't complain that anything foul happened to them or they don't look bruised or battered in any way Nobody comes to see what they're where they're sleeping or what food they eat. And when you have animals that are regulated, they look at where they sleep, how they travel, what they eat. You get you get a violation if the can lid is open on your feed can. Yep. Picture your dog food can that's in your house. If that feed lid is ajar, that's a violation. Those are the violations the activists hold up and say they're non-compliant. You know, it's uh, not taking care of the animals. That's so true. It's such an yeah. important message. When we were fighting uh, Prop B or the Puppy Mill Cruelty Prevention Act in Missouri, that was one of the things that the animal rights groups had written into the legislation, even though it passed by a slim margin. We, the legislature, did remove this aspect that um, they wanted all the kennels to be air conditioned. Well, our yeah. children don't have air conditioning in the schools, yeah. so or n- neither do senior living centers aren't required by law to have air conditioning. Yeah, it's insane. I'm a third generation animal trainer and my father and grandfather, you know, lived in a different time. But as air conditioning became more popular and uh, we grew up in Wisconsin and then moved to Florida. So we went from non-air conditioned areas to air conditioned. My father refused to allow our dog trailers and animal trailers to be air conditioned because he said it's absolutely it's unsafe because if it goes out and you're not right there, you've got a problem. But fans and ventilation and our animals, you know, live to old ages. And again, best practices. We don't look to the animal experts. And in all of this stuff, these are people who just have a philosophic ideologic belief. And they're trying to force it upon all of us. It's equivalent of being vegan or that. If you want to do it, knock yourself out. Amen. Stop passing legislation that tells my child at school has to eat a vegan diet or... You're going to 
crucified farmers. And by the way, when you take livestock out of fairs, which is the the genesis of the fair, I mean, that is, it's, it's to come and celebrate your crops and your livestock. But it's, if you've ever gone to the county or state fair and gone to the ag areas, most people just listen to their kids and their kids take them over to the rides. Be a parent, take your kids over to the ag areas where they have a lot of interactive stuff. You can make butter, you can make seed necklaces, those kinds of things. Yes. See the families there, whole families that bring their little pop-up tent and they bring their crock pots. They spend the week at the fair. They look forward to it for a year. They raise their animals. They do this stuff to prepare. These are not the problem in our society. Yes. Not even remotely. Frankly, they're the answer because growing up with animals, the world is much bigger than you. It's not about you. There's no entitlement. It's about how you come together as a team, animals and people, and work together for the good of society. So we vilify farmers. I live in a very urban area in Pinellas County, Florida. It's always difficult for me. Of course, there are lovely people here, but the mindset follows the media narrative. Which is, which is a false narrative. It's that, you know, farmers are terrible, entertainment's terrible, elephants shouldn't be in zoos, we shouldn't have uh, killer whales, you know, in the parks and that kind of thing. Why do we care about killer whales? Because we saw them at SeaWorld, you know? Right, right. Because of Nat- National Geographic, you know? And we have to do right by our animals. That is the starting point. Absolutely. But it's a privilege. It's a privilege, but you don't, you're not in the industry if you don't love animals. That's just a fact. Yeah. Because it's not a get rich industry. Contrary the my, the, the most ridiculous thing is we're getting rich off the backs of our animals. I'd love for you to show me these multi-billionaires who are animal people. It's just, I know it's comical. I'm not, I'm not laughing because, you know, taking care of animals is a serious business, but we, we all, anim, my fellow animal owner friends of that, we just all kind of laugh when we hear that, like that nothing could be further from the truth. Well, Anybody who has horses alone knows that. Uh, that would be me. I've owned horses yeah. my whole life. I get that. Yeah. Costs you more than, there's no such thing as a free horse, by the way. Right. But that's what I mean. They're, they're basically... Uh, controlling the narrative on, and they vilify making a profit, but every animal yeah. person I know takes their profit, what profit they make, and they put it back into their animal facility yeah. so they yeah. can continue to, you know, love what they do. But I've seen too many people lose their livelihood, lose their animals, lose their way of life and their way to make a living. And that is not okay. And so the fact that we even have to pass proactive, legislation to protect people is really kind of startling that this kind of thing is happening in the United States. But what we've noticed and have witnessed in the past two decades is nothing short of a radical transformation in the philosophy that informs really the regulation and treatment of those who own and raise animals for profit. I mean, profit has become a dirty word, but it shouldn't. Yeah. Wayne Paselli's out there vilifying everybody for making up. Oh, they just care about profit. What a bunch of bunk. Well, but, let's see what he makes, by the way. And let's see oh, what the ASPCA president makes over $100,000 a year on the backs of animals. You want right. to talk about profit. Let's have that conversation. And it's that's not the animal people profiting. It's bingo. the right groups. And that's how we go on offense. 
Instead of, you know, we all need to learn to pivot and say, oh, just like you just did, just like you just did, you know, bringing up how we're, you know, profits being vilified for our side, you just immediately turned it around and said, well, let's pull back the veil on Wayne Pacelli or ASPCA. That's what we all need to be doing. Every opportunity we get. If you're a small business owner listening to this, or you're a a person who goes to a company and gets paid your, your wages, do you expect to make a profit? Each year? Well, of course you do, because you can't put food on the table or pay your bills if you don't. If you're in business. So if yeah. you, th- that's the ridiculousness of this. We are in a business where farmers, you know, raise animals and for food, um, circuses perform and provide entertainment. And by the way, those animals retire old age, you know, so yeah. you're allowed to make a profit. We have to stop vilifying people. For things you're doing in your own home as your own, as a dog owner, as a horse owner. And then I find those to be some of the worst people to buy into this. And I, when I have them one-on-one and I talk to them and say, okay, if you did this with your dog and you got in trouble, how would you feel about that? Or with mm-hmm. your horse? Mm-hmm. Well, they get indignant about that. And by the way, we don't need more animal cruelty laws. We can just enforce what's on the books because there are more animal cruelty laws in my experience across this country at the state, local and federal level than any other type of laws because we take animal cruelty very seriously. Well, the animal industry takes animal cruelty more seriously than you do, but they can, they understand it and can define it as experts better than the average person. We're so emotional in this country about everything everything mm-hmm. and if you're an animal owner you have to be practical first yes and the emotion has to come after the fact because you can't do what's right for the animals if you're emotional well that's so. why we we go to the trouble and take the time to train our members if they're going to show up at a committee hearing to defend their business or oppose a piece of animal rights driven legislation you know it's we need the animal experts to show up And oftentimes they hide because they're afraid of, quote unquote, making themselves a target by attending committee hearings. I get Mm -hmm. that. You know, I witnessed it myself where, you know, the other side is out there, you know, taking down license plates in the parking lot or following you to your car. I've seen it all. But we can't hide anymore. You're already in the pool. So let's fight back together. And we try to empower our members to do that by being there for them to guide them through the process. And, and we need animal people who, who understand the science and have the facts and the husbandry practices behind them that they can deliver that message to lawmakers. And by the way, lawmakers want to hear from our side. Absolutely. They want that. And so if you're not showing up to a committee hearing, guess who they're listening to? They're listening to the animal rights groups and that's how they're going to, you know, pass these laws and these lawmakers end up being the judge, jury and the executioner on your business. If you don't show up to a testimony hearing or a a legislative hearing, I should say, and we're talking local, state and federal. So, you know, if and you can follow on our website, we track every piece of uh, state legislation and local ordinances starting January 1. We'll have a flash map up on our website under the Take Action tab. You can scroll down. It's a flash map. We track every piece of animal legislation across the country. We also work at the federal level, and we're fighting all those bills, too. But as you know, federal stuff moves a little bit slower, <laughs> Yeah, depending. But yeah. um, 
but you know, we have to, we have to show up. And I say that realizing historically, sometimes it doesn't hasn't mattered, and they just shove these things through no matter what. But that's the case in the states like California, like New York, like Virginia, and other places where the legislature has literally been bought off. But it's important, as you've brought this up too, and I started to mention, you know, a lot of these, uh, the regulation and treatment of those who raise animals for profit have been vilified long before we have a chance to testify in a committee hearing. But specifically, as you've mentioned, these time time-tested agriculture practices to ensure the health and safety of both people and animals have been redefined as inhumane treatment of livestock by those who have an emotional-based agenda. So they're redefining all of this. So to lawmakers, and I don't know if you've experienced this, Heidi, but um, when testifying in several states last year against animal exhibition uh, bans, uh, one was in Colorado, I think that was a couple years ago, Um, Anyway, there's been a handful of states. And one of the things that just really irks me is that they are um, basically destroying the ability for husbandry practices by by allowing the lawmakers to believe that Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries or HSUS, the Humane Society of the United States, are regulatory agencies. Have you run across that? Absolutely. That's that's biggest, a crime in and of itself. Biggest danger that HSUS positions itself out there in that way and um, yeah. has so much cloud. It, it's it's so disturbing. I absolutely yes. But this shift has emboldened government agencies, these regulatory agencies and inspectors, to increasingly make use of these fines and seizures that are based on uh, uh, more in an effort to appeal to public sentiment. Uh, than they are the letter of the law. And that would apply to Natural Bridge Zoo. This is about appealing to public sentiment and pressure from PETA and and all the animal rights organizations that have been pressuring uh, probably the attorney general's office to, uh, I mean, we know with Keith Wilson's case, he was harassed by PETA for four years before they showed up on August 15th, 2019. They showed up with all these animal transport carriers to uh they locked him in his his office they took away his phone and uh thankfully his assistant uh finally reached us at our emergency number a couple hours after it all began and we were able to get our local attorney uh heading to the uh, county courthouse to get a temporary restraining order on his the seizure, but as we were navigating all of this happening, we realized there was so much corruption. Um, I mean, it's like organized crime. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It, it's just, it's just mind-boggling. And again, the average person doesn't really understand what's going on. They're just thinking some horrible zoo that was treating its animal terribly. You know, the animals were taken away, and good for them. And nothing could be further from the truth. You don't understand if you're listening to this that your pet dog is at risk. I mean, you yes, you don't understand the agenda of these animal rights groups. They do not believe we should have any pets or anything of that nature. So well, that's why your podcast is so important, Heidi, because yeah. the media, generally speaking, are willing accomplices to this agenda. Uh, and they were, did you notice too, that with the natural bridge zoo case, funny how the media was already there. Yeah. When all the transport yeah. vehicles from 
Pat Craig's scamshuary from Colorado were, were there to collect the animals. This was all in place weeks before they showed up. It, that's the crime. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. And due process, was there? <laughs> no. Oh, no, 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 and, no. You know, the other thing is, so here's something Again, I I always think how to speak to people who are intelligent people who just care about animals and don't realize they're being scammed by what they read and see. So here you go. If if here's a way to think of it. If you're not a you don't own exotic animals, maybe you have a dog. This this guy has a sanctuary in Colorado. He's thrilled to write on it when they ask him to take these animals. My colleagues who run places zoos and habitats around the country that are animal experts, they would, they would ask a lot of questions. And again, we kind of all know each other. The industry knows each other, the legitimate industry. They would not encourage anybody to take animals and give them to them if it was not an appropriate situation. And this guy is allowing them and going right along with it and providing quote unquote sanctuary for these animals that were living a beautiful life. Yes. They didn't need to be moved and many died in the process. So maybe think about it that way that, you know, my, my credible colleagues who own habitats, zoos, that type of thing, they would, they would absolutely not go along or endorse this or be willing to take the animals if they knew it was this type of scenario. So that, uh, that again, gives you an idea of how, much bullshit this is really you know yes well you you know we're in deep trouble when the group that calls themselves the experts that know better come in to confiscate and well confiscate steal your animals and they demand that they euthanize a few of your animals and in doing so i mean if it's really about humane treatment of animals, that just flies out the window. When you listen to Gretchen Mogensen's testimony of what happened when they euthanized Zeus, their white tiger, that was a crime in and of itself. Heartbreaking. It's hard to listen to, but it's important for people to listen to that because that's that's, that's what's really happening. Um, these people who are self-proclaimed animal experts are lying to the American people. They're betraying Americans and they, they're acting like the heroes here when they are the villains and they it is pure evil what is happening. And they're harming the animals. Yes, they, they are. are the ones causing harm and euthanizing animals with their yeah. non-expertise. Yeah. You want animal experts, go to the people, go. I always tell people, go to the zoos, go to the places, see for yourself, talk to the people. Yeah. I can, I, I have um, on TV and radio debated uh, many animal rights group uh, folks, right? Including Wayne Pacelli. In the first, I always say, I like a live interview because <laughs> in the first 45 seconds, they're great. Their talking points are excellent. They use emotion. They got it all. But you know what? By the time I get to a minute and a half or two minutes in, I own it because I'm an animal expert. They don't, they only can rewind and repeat because they don't have experience. They haven't raised and lived with animals. So, but we never get that far because the, what the average soundbite is, I think, seven seconds, you know, so... Right. We're not getting a minute into it. That's why podcasts are good. That's why we need to do these. I feel like we need to have a traveling panel of experts 
town halls. Let people come and ask us about animals. Let's have zoo people. Let's have marine mammal people. You know, SeaWorld gets vilified. What would we do without SeaWorld? The amount of great work they do is unbelievable. I know. I know. It's incredible. And and they're painted with the broad, ugly brush to be yeah. the bad guys. That's the joke of it all. And that's because the media, the general media, is is the one controlling Absolutely. the brush stroke. It's awful. So yeah. it's it's I a very only, deceptive campaign. Yeah, I can only hope that just these conversations and, um, you know, I know that's the problem. You're so busy trying to put these fires out and creating legislation and, you know, going to hearings and going to legislative uh, uh, bodies to, to tell the story. I'd rather you were out there and, and these people telling these stories, you know, Patty Strand, I interviewed her, the National Animal Interest Alliance. We yes, get it. it's so hard to get above the noise and just tell the story. And by the way, why aren't you guys on all these bigger podcasts? They don't want to take it on. Why isn't Megyn Kelly or Joe Rogan or Fox News or any of them taking on these stories about the zoo? They, I don't know if they believe it, but they know it's such an emotional topic that people might turn on them. I guess, but I, I it's not the getting the air it should. It's not getting the the press it should on that front. I believe it's because their news director, if not them personally, then it's their news staff that is controlling all of that. Because I've asked the same question yep. when Tucker Carlson has had Brittany Pete from PETA on his show regularly. And I know. we've tried to get airtime on Tucker when he was still on Fox. I've tried other major news stations and they won't touch us with a 10 foot bowl because I believe deep down, you know, it's it's easy to support the, you know, the animal rights groups looks because good. they make it, it looks good. The optics are such that we look like the monster. I've been called a monster in committee oh, yeah. hearings. You're a monster if you don't support this legislation for animal welfare. I mean, I'm sure you've you've witnessed all the tears and committee hearings and things Absolutely. that I have too. All the propaganda and, as I said earlier, the emotionally charged garbage that they bring while we're bringing facts and science to the conversation, all they have is emotion. And that's how they're done. And you know what, Mindy, what I'm going to wrap up with, you want to see freaking emotion. Gretchen Mogensen, whose zoo was just raided. I mean, I'm going to get teary eyed saying this because it's so upsetting. Yep. Her zoo was raided. Her husband's dying in the hospital and they kill some of her animals with their inexpertise and their BS. You want to cry tears, cry over that. A beautiful zoo a family who lived and worked with their animals. Yep. So you want to get emotional. That's emotion. That's true emotion from an animal person. Amen. And that makes my blood boil. It and, if, just... and if anybody out there doesn't think it can happen to them, think again. Because again, they're redefining what is considered humane. And they're going to come. I mean, we've seen it legislatively, right? Tethering. They're going to make it illegal to have a dog on a leash. They're going to make, you know, it illegal to have spurs in a rodeo. They're going to make, they've already illegalized um, having an elephant guide in the state yeah. of California. On and on. Wake up, America. They're coming after our, our food producers. They're coming after your pets. And if you don't think you're going to be impacted, people better wake up. So join the fight. Yeah. Yeah. I'll post links to your um, website and that so they can find you. And I know you've got some great stuff on there. And uh, 
I certainly appreciate this conversation and we need to have more. I just need to have you on regularly. Listen, I'm I'm thrilled. And as I said, I, I really have enjoyed your podcast. You've had some amazing people on and it is terrific. Thank you for what you're doing. And um, I just have really enjoyed your podcast greatly. And I feel so honored to be on your show. Well, good. I want to catch up with you in the new legislative season and we'll track along how the Working Animal Protection Act is doing because that's such important legislation. So thank you for all you do, Mindy. I know you go so far above and beyond and you've supported so many of my friends. Well, um, we we love we love animal related businesses and we know how important they are. We want it to be here in the future. Yeah, so critical. For future generations. Thank you so much, Heidi. Thank you, Mindy. I'm really choked up about what we just talked about. I kind of can't unsee the emotion in the zoo owner's face of what's been done to them. It's just mind boggling. It's, It's organized crime and it should be illegal in every way. We need to do better. And again, I'm doing the podcast to highlight these stories. Listen along and we'll give you we'll give you the information on how you could start finding better information and stop operating on emotion and philosophy and ideology. And as I say in every episode, go see for yourself. Go talk to the zoo owners. Talk to the people who are exhibiting animals. Go to the livestock area at the fair. Talk to the marine mammal trainers and owners and the researchers. You want to see real emotion, people who really love care for and are working with animals directly. The animal rights groups are not the animal experts. They are fundraising experts and media experts. Who do you want to listen to? I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. We hope you'll subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Also, please rate and review it. And by all means, please share the podcast. It's important for me to share these stories with you, and I hope you'll share them with others. And I do hope you'll listen in next time for more Animal Tales.